enough of that. So today we're continuing our message series called Beyond Borders. In this series, we're talking about Jesus' command to every believer, that includes you, it includes me, to be a missionary. Now, some people are called to foreign countries. Some people are called to minister in different areas of America. And yet others are called, if we live here right in the St. Louis area, our calling as a missionary is to St. Louis. Each of us is called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Today we're going to talk about the greatness of God. Now, we established in an early message in our series, and all the messages are on, the, on our website. You can go back and listen to them if you missed one. We've established that every believer is commanded by Jesus himself in Matthew 28, verse 19, to go and make disciples of all nations. The verses are written out for you in your handout here. Now, as a believer, we say that Jesus is our Lord. And when our Lord commands us to do something, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to do it. We're not obeying for a believer who calls Jesus Lord is not an option. For a person not to obey something that Jesus commands is to really reveal that Jesus is not Lord of your life. And being Lord of your life, uh, contrary to what is sometimes taught, is not option for a believer. Like, well, I don't know. I want Jesus to forgive my sins. And yeah, I mean, I guess I'll obey this, but not this. That, that's not an option. Jesus must be your Lord. You must obey what he says. That's how one becomes a believer by saying Jesus is Lord. You can't say, forgive my sins and I'm going to live my life the way I want. It doesn't work that way. We must obey. But it's helpful to understand why Jesus commands us to go and make disciples. Acts 26 says, And he, speaking of God, made from one man, who is that one man? Adam, made from one man, Adam, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him that he's actually not far from each one of us. And so we see from these verses that God created every human being from one man, from Adam. And so despite the way we often talk, there's really only one race of people. It's, it's the human race. The color of one's skin is no more important than the color of one's hair or the color of one's eyes. Racism is to discriminate against people or claim superiority based on outward physical characteristics, uh, such as skin color. And racism is sin. It divides people. It's against what God teaches in his word. And next week we're going to talk about that, the message entitled God's Attack on Racism. But back to these verses. God created all of us from one man. He created every nation so that they would seek God and have a relationship with him. And so the primary person, that, primary reason that God or purpose that God created people is so that they would have a relationship with him, so that they would seek after him. They were to have a relationship with God in this life and in the life to come in eternity. Now, how does a person enter into a relationship with God? Uh, Paul continues in verse 30, he says, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now... He commands all people everywhere to repent. Who does he command? All people everywhere. 
Nobody is accepted. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And so there is only one way to have a relationship with God. That's by repenting of your sin and putting your trust in Jesus Christ, who's the one he's talking about here. Jesus is coming again to judge the world. He's the one who has been, who has been risen from the dead. And that's why missionaries, that's why we are all to go to tell other people about Jesus so that they will hear the good news. Every other religion, every church that doesn't teach that Jesus is the only way to God is false. There are not many ways to God and Jesus is simply one of many options. Jesus is the only way to God. Even if somebody claims to have no religion, everybody worships something. And so, as believers who believe in the authority of God's Word, we have the truth. We have the only truth. Everything else, everybody else is wrong and deluded. I'm talking about, not life church, I'm talking about true believers across the face of this planet. And we should not be ashamed of that. We have the truth. And that's why everything in our lives must be secondary to being a courageous witness for Jesus every day. We must go. St. Louis to America and the entire world. Now in this series, since we're talking about missions, we're having a, uh, a short video of what Assembly of God missionaries are doing around the world. They're in hundreds of countries. There's thousands of them all across the planet. And we're just getting a brief insight into what's going on to, to understand how great the mission is and the need there and what is being done now uh, in many, many countries of the world. And so this uh, video is of Assembly of God missionaries Mike and Anita James in the Netherlands, in Europe. And it's entitled Investing in Children. I want to trust that you're encouraged as you're seeing the different ways that missionaries are reaching out, the different strategies that God gives them to reach the lost in the particular field that they're called to. And we want God to give us strategies to reach the lost right here in St. Louis, as well as continuing to support missionaries across America and around the world. Now today in our message, we're going to look at Psalm number uh, 96, Psalm 96, and talk about the greatness of God. And when we understand how great God is, it's going to motivate us, it's going to encourage us to tell others about Him. The song begins by telling us to sing to the Lord in verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Oftentimes we read the scripture and we just gloss right over it. The, the psalm begins not with a suggestion, but with a command. We're commanded in the Bible to sing to the Lord, to worship Him in song. Uh, what is it about singing? Why are we commanded to sing? Well, singing engages both the intellect and the emotion. Do you understand somehow music stirs us in our emotions to give ourselves to the Lord? Singing in worship is not just for Sunday mornings. You know, you can sing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You can sing in the shower. You can sing in your cars. You can sing wherever. Singing with your mind. You can sing in the Spirit. The Bible says that if you 
If you, you can sing in an unknown language, you can sing and praise God that way as well on many different occasions. Now notice who is commanded to sing. It's all the earth. We'll see that includes, as we go on in this psalm, every nation includes all of creation. Everything created is commanded to sing to the Lord in worship. And as we sing to the Lord in worship, as we bless the Lord, our eyes begin to be opened to the greatness of God, how great He is. We begin to focus on Him. You see, when you're worshiping God, when we're singing to Him, we're not focused on the television or the internet or our phone. We're, we're focusing on Him. And as our eyes are open to the greatness of God, we can begin to tell of His salvation daily. Verse 2, sing to the Lord, bless His name. It's repeated again from verse 1, tell of His salvation from day to day. And so this psalm is, is written to believers because it's only believers who can tell somebody else about God's salvation. We've experienced it and we can explain it to somebody else. We can explain to them how they can experience salvation as well. And so telling others of our salvation, of the salvation that they can have, should be part of our daily experience, part of our daily lives. We get up in the morning, we go to bed at night, we do certain things in between, Telling of his salvation should be part of each and every day of our life. Not a day should go by that we do not in some way tell somebody else about God's salvation. We are to declare God's greatness to all nations, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. To declare something is more emphatic than just explaining it. We are to declare it emphatically. We are as this psalm says, to command people to worship the Lord. We're to declare God's glory, not just in our city, not just in our country, but among the nations, among all peoples. What does it mean to declare God's glory? It means to speak of His attributes, that He's a loving God, that He's a powerful God, that He's a merciful God, that He's a gracious God, that He's a holy God, and we could go on and on declaring His glory, telling people what God is like. A lot of people have wrong ideas about what God is like. But as we declare His glory among other people, we explain to him, them what He really is. To declare His marvelous works speaks of the things that God does. What does God do? He saves people. He delivers people. He heals people. He answers people's prayers. He performs miracles. He guides people. He instructs people. And the list goes on and on. Telling others about Jesus. And so, how do we prepare to be a witness for Jesus each and every day? <clears throat> There's many ways. I'm going to tell you one way. I think is the best way. Is to get up early in the morning. Listen to a few mounds out there. Get up early in the morning. Early enough in the morning that you can spend some quality time with God, reading the Word, and praying before you go off to work. We've been over this many times. If you wait until the end of the day, what happens? Usually nothing. You go to, you're tired, you go to bed, and you miss it. So we encourage you to put God first in your day. And as you put Him first in your day, your eyes begin to be opened to God's glory to the works of God. As you worship Him, put Him first in the morning. You read His Word, you pray, 
you listen for God to speak to you. And your faith in him grows as that happens day after day. And you've prepared yourself for the day. You ask God, God, I want to be a light for you today. God, I want to be a witness for you. God, I want to tell of your salvation to somebody else today in some way. And as you go through the day, everything that you do is part of your worship to God. If you do, not if, when you do good work on your job, you are worshiping God. You're doing it not for your boss, not for your client. You're doing it for God. Do it for God. That's part of your worship. Pray for opportunities to be a, a witness for Jesus, for divine opportunities, because God is in control of everything. He's working in you. He's working in other people. He's working in situations. And who wants the lost to be saved even more than you? God does. And so he's going to answer those prayers. We just have to have the faith to pray those prayers and the courage to open our eyes and see God's answer and take advantage of it. God will open doors every day as you prepare yourself to let his light shine through you. Not only should you pray for yourself to be a witness for Jesus, you should pray for our church, you should pray for the missionaries that we support in America and around the world as well. We praise God for what he does as we submit our lives to him in worship each and every day. We are worshiping the only true God. Verse 4, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, little g. Now the prevailing view today is that there are many religions and they're all equally effective ways to reach God. That's you know, the politically correct view. And that view says that the only religion that should be opposed is anyone that claims to be the only way. Right? That's the only thing. You could, everything else goes, but if you claim to be the only way, well, that's, that couldn't possibly be true, so you're wrong. But that's exactly what the Creator God, who is the only God, that's exactly what his word tells us, that he is the only God. We are to worship the only true God, and he is the only one. He alone is to be feared because all other gods are absolutely nothing. Verse 5 and 6, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. And so the gods of all the nations are worthless idols. They are nothing. They can do nothing. Those who worship Allah, who worship Buddha, the Hindu gods, those who worship themselves, man, those who worship the earth, those who worship money, those who worship pleasure, and the list could go on and on, are worshiping worthless idols. Not only do they gain no benefit from the false worship of these idols, they will be eternally lost. <clears throat> if they did not turn and worship the only true God. Of all the possible gods that people may worship, only the true God, only the Lord God created everything from nothing. He is the creator God. In fact, every other God essentially was created by people. He's the only uncreated one. Everything else that people worship is 
created things. He is the only uncreated person anywhere. And he dwells in majestic splendor in heaven above, and nothing can withstand his power. And so all nations must worship him, the one and only true God. Verse 7 and 9, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Again, these are commands. All peoples must worship the Lord, are told or commanded to worship him and give him glory. All the earth must tremble before him in, in godly fear. The Lord may only be worshipped in holiness. He may only be worshipped by those whose sins have been forgiven and they've been cleansed. And so as believers, we must be absolutely convinced that we worship the one and only true God, the creator of everything. We must communicate the unpopular view that Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. All the other religions are completely false, and they lead people away from the one true God. Now, in today's world, words have become very corrupted, and many no longer mean what they once meant. The word Christian has lost its biblical meaning. Uh, in the Bible, a Christian is a follower of Christ. Most of the people who claim to be Christian today are not, according to biblical standards. And so we cannot take people at face value. What someone means by Christian may not be what the Bible means by it. The word evangelical <clears throat> once meant a Christian with biblical worldviews. You thought, well, you know, there's Christians, but evangelical Christian, that's really, now that word isn't in the Bible, it's based on Bible words, but an evangelical Christian, he's, he must be a true Christian. But now, there are many heretics who deny the existence of hell, who deny that Jesus is the only way, who deny that people who practice sins condemned in the Bible uh, are lost. Many are now claiming to be evangelical Christians. And so, words have really begun to lost, lose their meaning. A true believer is somebody who trusts in Jesus as their Savior and Lord and who obeys all of God's Word. And so the majority of people who claim to be Christian in this country but are not are just as lost as the billions of people around the world who worship other gods, little g. Just as lost. And so a large part of being a witness for Jesus in America today, including in St. Louis, is convincing people who claim to be saved, who claim to be Christians, that they're not saved so that they can be saved. If you already think you're saved, but you're not, according to the Bible, you're not going to be saved until you're convinced you're not. So our goal and missions is to create more genuine worshipers of the one true God. We as believers must declare that the Lord reigns. 
Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. And so we don't have to wait until Jesus returns to say to the entire world, the Lord reigns. That's what we are to proclaim today. Jesus said he has all power and authority in the Great Commission. All power and authority has been given to me. Today he has all power and authority in the universe because he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And we are to declare that everyone must bow their knee and submit their lives to King Jesus because he reigns today. And he is coming again. He's coming again in the future. And at Jesus' second coming, he's not going to come as a baby. He's going to come as a king who comes to judge. And so all creation should rejoice. Verse 11 and 12, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that it fills. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. And we'll see in the next verse, because the Lord is coming to judge. And so the thought of the Lord's return is anticipated by the whole of creation. And even now we can rejoice that he's going to come again. All those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord can rejoice in the hope of his coming. Why? Because this world is not heaven on earth right now. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of things that aren't working out so well. And at his coming, Jesus will remove all evil. He'll remove all sin and all unbelievers from his kingdom. And they will be exiled forever into the fires of hell. But the result then will be a new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. In effect, paradise will be restored. The paradise that was originally created in Eden, it will be restored, a place of enjoying God's presence forever along with the rest of God's children. And at his return, the Lord is coming to judge the earth. Verse 13, before the Lord, the creation is to rejoice, everything's to rejoice, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And so the Lord will come and he's going to judge with absolute justice righteousness, and faithfulness. Nobody will be able to question his judgments. Everybody say, that's right. I may not like it, but that's correct. And so righteous believers rejoice at the thought of Jesus coming. The unrighteous unbelievers should tremble in terror because if their lives are not right when he comes, eternity will be lost for them. So every person who has not bowed their knee to King Jesus in this life, when he returns again, will acknowledge him as Lord in judgment, at the judgment, but it will be too late. For you see, the eternal destiny of every person is sealed. Either when they pass away, when they die, their eternal destiny is sealed, or at the coming of the Lord. And so there is, there is no, and I repeat, no, second chance in hell. Contrary to much increased teaching in that way. There is no such thing as purgatory either. It's nowhere mentioned in the Bible. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment. And so the Lord reigns today and his judgments 
are and will be just and final. And so we, re- we support the kingship of Jesus over the nations by giving offerings to missions over and above our tithe to the church. We encourage, we empower our missionaries. They are the ones that have sacrificed their lives and left their homes, left their way of life here to go to the nations of the world. We support them by praying for them as well. Well, I encourage you to come and join us in prayer this coming Wednesday night at our monthly prayer and praise night on the third Wednesday of every month. The third Wednesday is this coming Wednesday. We're going to pray for our missionaries. We're going to support them through our prayers. We're going to pray for our outreach right here in St. Louis as well, as well as other needs of the church and needs of people. We encourage you to come and join us in that prayer. The Lord reigns and he wants everyone to hear And so our God is great. There is no other God. That's what we as believers believe. That's what the Bible teaches. It's only through His Son, Jesus, that people can be saved by trusting Him as their Savior and Lord. And so the greatness of God is why we must obey His command to be missionaries right here in St. Louis and support others that He's called to the rest of the world. Right here, God calls us to worship Him each and every day and to tell of His salvation to those around us. In order to become a believer and have a relationship with the one Creator God, the only true God, one must admit that they've sinned. Repent and turn away from that sin. One must believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, asking Him to forgive you and to come into your life, and none must then commit yourself to following Him as your Lord, as King Jesus, all the days of your life. So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads right now if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ before or you'd like to recommit your life to Him. I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Father, today... I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things, and today I make a choice to repent, to turn away from those sins. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that you'd come into my life. I put my faith and trust in you, Jesus. I commit my life to following you as my Savior and Lord, to following all of your commands all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.